welcome to another Growth Masters Federal podcast on growing your business in the federal sector. Your host is Shirley Collier, president and founder of Scale to Market. Scale to Market helps businesses think, plan, collaborate, and prosper in the federal marketplace by developing and executing data-driven business development playbooks, building effective information systems, and creating high-performing BD teams. Does your accounting department play an active role in business development? Are you required to have a DCAA-compliant accounting system in order to fulfill contracts for the federal government? When is it time to hire a bookkeeper or controller or a full or part-time CFO? What's the difference between accountability and compliance? Every owner and senior-level manager of federal contractors should know the answers to these questions. If all the functional areas in your business are not benefiting from information developed by your accounting system, then this podcast is definitely for you. Shirley's guest today has been providing professional accounting and financial management consulting services to federal contractors for over 40 years. Alex Breger is a CPA and principal with E. Cohen & Company, a premier accounting, assurance, and consulting practice serving private and public sector clients in the D.C. area. Gather your management team and enjoy the podcast. Hello, Shirley here. Today's interdisciplinary discussion is extremely important for small federal contractors designed to grow not just rapidly, but profitably. And of course, most owners want to cash out at some point, so they must keep an eye on the company's market valuation and make informed decisions. The accounting and business development functions of a business are inextricably intertwined, especially in the complex federal marketplace. My guest today to help me explore this vital relationship is Alex Brager, a principal at E. Cohen & Company CPAs. Welcome, Alex. Thank you, Shirley. It's a pleasure to be here. Alex, I only briefly introduced you. Tell our audience a little more about you and about E. Cohen. Thank you again, Shirley, for inviting me to share my thoughts with you on this interesting subject. Quickly, a little bit about the firm and myself. Econ CPAs is an accounting firm of about 50 people located in Rockville, Maryland. Our clients are in most of the industries found in the Washington, D.C. area. That's technology, nonprofit, real estate and construction, retail and wholesale, and, of course, government contractors, which is what we're here to talk about today. I myself have been working with government contractors for over 40 years, providing tax, assurance, and consulting services. And I try to add value in any way I can for my clients and really take an interest in them both personally and professionally to make a difference in their life. Thank you, Alex. Your emphasis on taking an interest in your clients both personally and professionally is important. We both serve small businesses and their owners who hope to develop market value and one day exit their businesses better off than they started. So let's begin our discussion on an important growth topic, winning new federal contracts. How can the accounting department support these business development efforts? There are several areas where the accounting department can support the business development function. Uh, One is making sure the company has a compliant accounting system, and then determining borrowing capability, and also budgeting and forecasting, both short-term and long-term forecasting and pricing. 
Let's examine each of these separately. Many RFPs, especially those that are cost plus contracts, require bidders to prove they have DCAA compliant accounting systems. Let's say that I have a client who uses QuickBooks and uses the job cost module of QuickBooks. What is the process for getting this system compliant? So Shirley, before I talk about the process, your question brings up an interesting point that we have to tell clients over and over, and that is that the software contractor uses is not what makes the system compliant or not. It's how the system is used that makes it compliant. So QuickBooks is generally considered on the low end of accounting software for government contractors, but many small contractors use it because of its affordability. Set up appropriately and used properly, it can be compliant. In the same vein, a high-end accounting package that is not set up or used correctly is not going to be compliant. So knowledge of the FAR regulations, specifically Part 31, the cost principles, is critical in having a compliant system, which is where the accounting department plays the critical role. And the process of getting the system compliant is up to the accounting department. From there, the accounting system is certified as compliant either by the DCAA in a pre-award audit or by an independent accounting firm such as mine, depending on the government agency requesting the certification. Another side note on this, as you noted, Shirley, a DCA compliance accounting system is usually only necessary for CPFF contracts. However, two of the most important concepts of a compliance system one, the recording of direct costs properly, and two, the recording of indirect costs to their appropriate pool are really essential in pricing for proposals and then for tracking of actual costs. So what I hear you saying is that a compliance system is only necessary for cost plus fixed fee contracts, but having a cost accounting system is important for other reasons as well. Well, actually, I was simplifying a little bit. Some T&M contracts where the M, the material portion of the contract, has overhead allocated to it are also subject to DCAA audit and therefore require a compliance system. But to answer the other part of the question, one of the most important concepts behind a compliance system is accountability, and a cost accounting system is an integral part of that. A cost accounting system not only provides the issuer of a contract with a comfort level that they are being charged properly, but it's also a proven management tool for the performer of the contract in managing the costs of a contract. So that's why it's so important regardless of the type of contract. Okay, that makes sense. The next role you mentioned is to determine borrowing capability. This is an important growth factor, obviously. How will growth be funded through cash flow, debt, or an equity infusion? Many small businesses borrow money to fund the startup of new projects. How does that typically play out, Alex? Well, many small businesses, when they first start out, don't have the equity resources to fund operations. So the contractors rely on debt to fund their startup and growth. And over the last decade or two, banks have become specialized in their lending to government contractors. So in most cases, the borrowing is based on the accounts receivable billed to the government, either as a direct lending on invoices or a line of credit secured by the receivables. 
The very small contractors sometimes have to use factors to finance the receivables, which is a much more expensive option. Again, the accounting department is instrumental in determining and securing the best option. And the last crucial role the accounting department plays in helping the business development function is in budgeting, forecasting, and pricing. In my practice, Alex, I see this as a critical maturation step for small government contractors. When a business graduates from guessing to researching, planning, analyzing, and projecting costs and pricing elements of their businesses. In your experience, what are the best practices you see among small businesses who are serious about growth? I think one of the best practices begins with the business owner's commitment to the infrastructure of the company, and that includes the accounting department and the BD group. Many owners look at these functions as pure overhead, and even though the cost of those departments are overhead costs, their contributions to generating revenue are invaluable. I agree. If you remember from business school, functions were divided into line and staff. Line is directly involved with the production of products and services, and staff supported those functions. The thinking was that staff or overhead should always be minimized to maximize profits. That thinking has now changed to a great extent in my experience. Every position in the company is now focused on growth, quality, and profitability rather than pitting functions against one another. Has this been your experience as well? Well, just talking about BD and accounting, I think that does apply to BD, but only because owners still concentrate on the generation of revenue and realize the importance of the BD group. I'm not so sure they've gotten all the way on the accounting group. (laughs) They don't always see the value there, and they see the need for a compliant system as only a government requirement and not the management tool that it is. Speaking for myself, as the owner of several businesses throughout the years, the accounting function is extraordinarily strategic, which is, of course, why we're having this conversation. You can't grow a company if you don't know how much to invest, and in government contracting, you can't win if you're not compliant, and you can't create market value unless you're profitable. So let's talk about profitability, and not all revenue is desirable. Ideally, you want it to be profitable. How can accounting work with the business development folks to ensure they're focusing on profitable business well before bidding on a contract? Well, many new small businesses price out new contracts by the seat of the pants methodology, not knowing what their actual costs are, or they price it based on what they're told they can charge by the prime. So accounting can create costing models for CPFF, T&M, and fixed-price business at various levels of revenue to try to forecast accurate margins. We need to take a break. My guest is Alex Brager, principal at eCohen. When we come back, we'll discuss the role of accounting in helping businesses grow strategically. Don't go away. We'll be right back. Today's discussion is brought to you by Scale to Market, and your host is Shirley Collier. Utilizing the proprietary Davey Business Development Growth Framework, Scale to Market partners with business owners and executives to help them achieve profitable and sustainable growth in the federal marketplace and increase their company's market value. Email Shirley at scollier at scaletomarket.com to obtain your copy of the Davey Growth Framework. 
Growth Masters Federal is a nationwide community of growth-oriented government contractors, their owners and executive teams, and the professionals who support them. The mission is to share experiences and discuss timely topics on planning and executing the most effective BD management practices in the complex, highly regulated, but opportunity-rich federal marketplace. And now back to our discussion on getting the most out of your accounting system, featuring Alex Breger, veteran federal sector accountant and financial advisor, and a principal at E. Cohen and Company. Welcome back. We've been talking about the role of the accounting department related to pursuing specific opportunities. Let's discuss the role of accounting more strategically. If a CEO wants to grow in the federal marketplace, how do you know what investment is required to achieve that growth? So the accounting department can play an integral role in growth. Accounting can produce uh, two- to five-year projections based on various levels of growth and can show results at different levels of growth with resources needed and consequences of growth. Can you elaborate on that a bit? Normally, this is going to be in conjunction with the BD group. The BD group normally lays out a plan of growth in coordination with the owner based on the type of work the company does, the agencies and contracts it has access to, and future development plans. The group would start with those gross projections and then again in coordination with BD and the owner develop costing structures which might include projecting direct labor versus subcontract and the impact that has on the rates and resulting profitability. Alex, our audience consists of BD folks as well as the founders and CEOs of small government contracting firms. In my practice, which is focused on helping these small companies get to the next level, I am frequently asked, what is this going to cost me? What I know is that investing in BD infrastructure is essential to win more and bigger contracts. That infrastructure consists of people and technology. What role can the accounting department play in helping senior executives understand, plan for, and monitor the return on investment? Well, again, from an accounting standpoint, it goes back to a cost accounting system. And not to simplify things, but everybody knows that profit equals revenue minus cost. So costs on a contract consists of direct expenses and an allocation of overhead costs. BD is obviously one of those overhead costs. So the discussion should be, what is the projected cost of BD? What does it have the potential to produce? And what does that do to the overhead rate structure and therefore profitability? Alex, I would like to elaborate on the ROI of the BD function. Many small businesses do not make this calculation. In my practice, I counsel clients on counting all of the costs attributed to BD. At last count, it was 59 different activities and their associated costs. These activities range from the obvious, like compensation of the people involved in BD, to the cost of the website, collateral materials, events, travel, proposal preparation, and BD software, which includes social media subscriptions. But of course, government contracts usually cover several years, although the BD costs are front-loaded. How do you help your government clients understand and account for the true cost of sales for multi-year contracts? 
so actually, Shirley, I don't really look at the BD costs as being front-loaded because BD is necessary year after year. It's a continuous cost, I would say, just like rent. It may fluctuate, but that's built into the projections. So let's say that I am your client, I come to you, and I say, I want to track the cost of business development by contract. I want to know how much we invested to get this specific contract. How would you advise me? So in a government cost accounting system, the direct costs are the only ones that are required to be tracked by contract. But that doesn't mean you can't track any other costs in, a, in any specific way you want to. So in, in the accounting system, I would probably uh, set up subledger accounts for the BD cost, and, and that subledger would track it by the contract. And it would be a management tool as opposed to a required accounting disclosure. Okay, that makes sense. That makes sense. So regulatory compliance is also critical in getting and keeping federal contracts. How does the accounting department ensure the business is compliant and can fulfill contracted work? So as we spoke about previously, in order to get awarded CPFF contracts, the design of the accounting system has to be in accordance with criteria set forth in in the FAR and other established DCAA criteria. And just to give you an example of the, of the kinds of criteria they're looking for, it's uh, proper segregation of direct costs from indirect costs, identification and accumulation of direct costs by contract, which I said earlier, a logical and consistent method for allocation of the indirect costs to intermediate final cost objectives, and that's basically the pools a timekeeping system that identifies employees' labor by intermediate or final cost objectives. And a lot of these are right out of the FAR requirements, so it sounds a little technical, but I'm just giving it to you as as they are out of the FAR. Another is a labor distribution system that charges direct and indirect labor to the appropriate cost objectives. And this one's an interesting one because a lot of clients don't do this, but on an interim basis, at least monthly, there needs to be a determination of costs charged to a contract through routine posting of books of account. And that that means basically the general ledger has to be up to date. You can't wait and, and do it every quarter or whatever. It needs to be contemporaneous. And then the last one I'll just say quickly which is also an area that uh, the DCAA will fail somebody on immediately, and that's not being able to distinguish unallowable costs under the FAR. So the accounting department has to design an accounting system to accomplish all of the criteria in order to pass the pre-award audit by DCAA, and they need to keep it functioning going forward to stay compliant. But usually once they're initially compliant, it's not that difficult to stay compliant. Alex, I'm glad to hear you speak of these specifics. Many small businesses start their federal contracting businesses as subcontractors and or their contracts are firm fixed price, which does not require cost accounting. A maturation step for these businesses is to graduate to a cost accounting system and position themselves to compete for cost plus prime contracts. 
it can seem onerous and expensive to small business owners. Well, Shirley, when there are complex areas of business, there are always professionals to help the business person through these obstacles. For instance, we were talking about QuickBooks earlier, which many small contractors use. QuickBooks has a cost accounting module, but there are also vendors in the marketplace that have add-on packages to QuickBooks that make it a very effective cost accounting package. And, of course, there's professionals like us at Ecoin that have worked with these issues day in and day out and don't find it daunting at all. Winning the recompetition of existing contracts is critical to the existence of many small contractors. How can the accounting department support the BD Capture proposal team in ensuring the company keeps their existing contracts? Well, accounting should always be analyzing on a contemporaneous basis the performance of current contracts, both for the benefit of current profitability and looking forward to rebids. The accounting system the company uses and the types of contracts the company has can have an effect on the analysis, but the analysis should always be done. Yes, I agree. Large teaming partners frequently will ask small business contractors to share financial information with them before agreeing to partner. What should and should not be shared with other contractors? Now, that's a very controversial question. So small companies are always looking for opportunities to, for teaming arrangements with large contractors, either as a good source of business if opportunities for prime work is not extensive. It also gives them entree into agencies they not, might not be able to get into themselves. The large partner may always want all the financial detail information of the small partner, and the small partner only wants to provide billing rates, mostly for T&M and fixed-price contractors. The large partner obviously needs the billing rates, but often wants the data that derives the rates. And the small partner usually doesn't want to give those details, mostly because of competitive reasons. So each situation requires a discussion by the management team of the pros and cons of providing more or less information. Alex, from our discussion today, it's obvious that even the smallest of federal contractors need good accounting systems and talent, but many can't afford a full-time CFO. Many, of course, start out with a contracted or part-time CFO. What are the stages of growth of federal contractors? What accounting needs do they have at those stages? And when is it time to hire a full-time CFO? It is an interesting evolution. You often see a brand-new contractor starting off either with themselves doing the bookkeeping or their spouse or a good friend often without anyone having knowledge of government contracting accounting. This is usually okay because they're not diving right into CPFF contracts right off the bat. Most are either T&M or fixed price, and at that stage, they don't need a compliance system. Others will either start out with or, or morph to an outsourced accounting company. The advantage to that is that they normally get an experienced accounting department without any full-time cost. So we usually see that once a company gets, I would say, to a 2 to $4 million revenue range, they have an internal bookkeeper and possibly an AR and an AP clerk, maybe part-time. 
then above five million, they usually uh, have what would be called a controller, which would be someone with more financial experience than a bookkeeper, capable of planning, projections, financial statements, etc. Usually, we don't find the full-time CFO level until about maybe the 15-plus million level. Alex, as we wrap up, what is your advice to small businesses on how to best leverage the accounting function to help them grow in the federal marketplace? Shirley, I think that business owners have to recognize two things from the start if they're going to pursue business in the federal marketplace. One is that the regulations covering federal and state work are complex from an accounting standpoint. And two, because of that complexity, they need to have a commitment to the accounting infrastructure, as I've said before. They should be sure that they have advisors, including their outside accounting firm, that have the kind of experience they need in the federal marketplace. So firms like mine can give them that guidance on what kind of accounting department they need, whether it be an outsourced accounting company or a full-time CFO. It depends on where they are in their evolution cycle. And I would say that CEOs have a responsibility to ensure that these two critical functions in the company, business development and accounting, are tightly woven and operating as a team to help the company grow profitably and rapidly. I would totally agree. Alex, thank you so much for joining me today and for sharing your expertise with our audience. Shirley, it's been my pleasure and I look forward to future discussions on this. Folks, if you'd like to get in touch with Alex, he can be reached at abrager at ecohen.com. That's A-B-R-A-G-E-R at E-C-O-H-E-N.com. Or you can reach out to us here at Scale to Market and we'll make sure you're connected. This is Shirley Collier, host of the Growth Masters Federal Podcast, signing off for now. Thank you for joining us today. Learn more about putting your accounting system to work for you at www.ecohen.com. That's E-C-O-H-E-N.com. For more information on how to achieve your growth objectives by incorporating enduring and effective BD management principles into your business, visit our website at scaletomarket.com, that's scale2market.com, and subscribe to the Growth Masters Federal channel wherever you get your podcasts. Check out our webinar series on the Scale to Market website. Join us again soon for another informative Growth Masters Federal podcast, and by all means, have a great day.